Uh, Joe uh, represents a number of a large number of Canadians of Sri Lankan origin. It's a great pleasure to be here. I'm the first Canadian minister in Sri Lanka in, I gather, three years. Uh, Sri Lanka is a very important country for Canada. Uh, as you may know, we have the largest uh, Sri Lankan diaspora in the world, with some 300,000 Canadians of Sri Lankan origin who have made a huge uh, contribution to Canada's uh, prosperity uh, and the success of our model of unity and diversity. Uh, and so I've been pleased to here to have some uh, high-level meetings to discuss important bilateral issues, some of which I will be uh, presenting uh, to you today. Uh, first of all, uh, let me make an announcement uh, with respect to an uh, aid project that we are funding. Um, Canadians were troubled and saddened to hear of the recent devastating floods in this country. Our hearts go out to the victims of these terrible natural disasters. And so we'd like to reach out our hands to offer assistance, as we have done for some 40 years through our international development program here in Sri Lanka. In that spirit, I'm happy to announce that the Government of Canada will be providing 18,700 Canadian dollars in humanitarian assistance for families affected by flooding in two of the severely hit districts of Sri Lanka, the Manar and Arudapura districts. The funds will be given to Caritas Sri Lanka, which is part of Caritas International, a confederation of worldwide Roman Catholic relief, development, and social service organizations. And indeed, I met uh, with the uh, director of Caritas Sri Lanka last night. Caritas will use the funds to provide immediate assistance in the form of blankets, bed sheets, towels, soap, and drinking water to residents of Manar and uh, Arunudapura districts who lost their belongings uh, in the flood. I should say I also met uh, with Mr. Pereira, who's a member of parliament for uh, one of the fl flooded regions, and he described to me how severe it is, and we really do express our, our regret. Canada is pleased to be able to support Sri Lanka's disaster relief efforts, and we hope the relief items will help families as they try to rebuild their lives. Uh, so now I'd like to turn to the principal reason for my visit, and that is to discuss the scourge of human smuggling, which is resulting in the exploitation of the thousands of Sri Lankan migrants uh, hoping for the opportunity of migrating to Canada. Uh, and uh, let me be very clear. We are here to issue a warning uh, that human smugglers will take your money, but they won't get you to Canada. Now, we all know that human smuggling is very dangerous. Every year, thousands of people die in human smuggling operations, uh, like the 200 migrants bound for Australia, whose smuggling vessel sank a year ago. Uh, and uh, this is a, it, every year, thousands of people die in smuggling operations all around the world. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, let's be clear about one thing. The smugglers lie about getting people to Canada. In 2009 and 10, two ships carrying Sri Lankan migrants reached Canada. Many of the passengers were kept in immigration detention for months, and some are still being detained. Some, I should say, were re uh, deemed to be inadmissible to Canada and ineligible to seek asylum for national security grounds because of their involvement in organizations like the LTTE. Several um, have been barred, as I say, from applying to national security grounds, and many passengers who arrived, most in fact, uh, have not obtained asylum in Canada. Some have already been returned uh, to Sri Lanka. And let me be clear, the smugglers targeting Canada have been stopped. 
since the arrival of that vessel in August of 2010, uh, several planned large-scale human smuggling missions destined for Canada have been stopped. Thousands of Sri Lankans have made large down payments to smugglers to be taken to Canada, but they have been arrested, detained, returned, or left stranded in transit countries. Uh, and here is just one example, a story from uh, broadcast by the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, which interviewed several, uh, smuggle, several migrants of Sri Lankan origin uh, who were in Chennai and who had paid down payments of several thousand dollars to Sri Lankan smuggling syndicates uh, to be brought to Canada, but were left in uh, Tamil Nadu without any follow-up, and in fact they were stranded having lost their life savings. Gathered on a Chennai rooftop, we showed them the stories of the ship and the migrants on board. It's this ship they believe they paid smugglers a few months ago to be aboard. Do you recognize anyone there? They want to stop the tape to see the women taken ashore, to see how the police treat the migrants. Could have been them, they insist, and the smugglers not cheated them. When we saw them landing there, then we realized we were deprived of that chance and that we were deceived. The smugglers took their money then just disappeared. Yet the men want to believe they'll hear from them again and soon be on their way with all the others who paid from their one refugee camp alone. So 33 different people right now who paid their money and are waiting to get on a ship for Canada. So there gives you one example of people who um, Somebody's phone is going off here. Uh, one example of people who have given money to smuggling syndicates, in this case in Tamil Nadu, to come to Canada. Their money was taken, but the smuggling syndicate disappeared. And this is happening over and over again. Uh, now, we are cracking down on smugglers. Canada is investing $12 million uh, to help transit countries combat human smuggling. Uh, transit countries including Thailand, Indonesia, Malaysia, Ghana, Togo, and Benin have helped to make these efforts effective. And I'm going to give you uh, a few examples, but first, here is uh, Prime Minister Stephen Harper at a press conference in Thailand last fall where he's discussing our investment in interrupting human smuggling operations bound for Canada. Good morning, everybody. Since the fall of 2010, Intensified cooperation between the RCMP and the Royal Thai Police has thwarted the activities of human smuggling gangs. Several illegal operations have been blocked and boats have been stopped before they can sail to Canada's shores. Our government is very much encouraged by these efforts. I have two purposes here today. First, on behalf of the Government of Canada, I'd like to thank the Government of Thailand for becoming a leading partner in the global fight against human smuggling. In particular, I should like to thank the Royal Thai Police and its branches, including the Central Investigation Bureau, the Thai Immigration Bureau, and the Marine Police Division for their energetic pursuit of some of the world's worst criminals. These are people who profit from exploiting the miseries and aspirations of some of the world's most vulnerable people. Second, I'm today announcing that our government has created a special program 
to support our partners here as they work to detect and prevent human smuggling operations throughout Southeast Asia. We will provide new equipment and training to several branches of the Royal Thai Police. Also, we will extend similar programming to partner countries throughout Southeast Asia. And of course, we will continue to fund counterterrorism initiatives with Thailand and other Southeast Asian partners. So that is a sign of our government's commitment and the priority that we place on this. So Sri Lankan smugglers have been arrested around the world. Uh, criminals running Sri Lankan human smuggling syndicates have been arrested in Canada, France, West Africa, and Southeast Asia. Between October, and I'll give you some specific examples, between October 2010 and January 2011, Thai authorities arrested more than 200 Sri Lankan migrants for immigration violations in four operations, uh, and it's believed that they, these individuals had paid a significant amount of money to these agents and were waiting to be smuggled to Canada. In July of 2011, Indonesia stopped a smuggling ship likely headed for Canada. Uh, the, when the Indonesian Navy intercepted the MV uh, Alicia, a smuggling ship carrying 84 Sri Lankan migrants. It's believed that the vessel was destined for Canada and the migrants again had paid down payments uh, of several hundred thousand Sri Lankan rupees to the smuggling agents. In October of 2011, Togolese authorities detained 209 Sri Lankan migrants believed to have made initial payments of between 1.2 and 1.5 million rupees to be smuggled to Canada. Migrants had flown from Sri Lanka through India and Ethiopia to West Africa. Rather than boarding a ship for Canada, they were abandoned by the smugglers. Of the 209 that were detained, almost all have voluntarily returned to Sri Lanka with the assistance of the International Organization for Migration. In May of 2012, Sri Lankan uh, the, uh, a Sri Lankan smuggling syndicate preparing a voyage to Canada from West Africa was broken up by coordinated uh, law enforcement efforts. Six uh, smugglers fled to Burkina Faso, uh, uh, but were arrested there. Twelve smugglers were arrested by Ghanaian, Ghanaian authorities in Tima, and uh, a 20,000 ton, 30 meter long vessel belonging to the smuggling syndicate was seized. In June of 2012, 148 Sri Lankan migrants were arrested in Benin after having paid a smuggling syndicate to be brought to Canada. Media reports indicate that a smuggling syndicate brought the migrants to Benin before demanding more money and to, threatening to harm them. All 148 eventually agreed to return to Sri Lanka and were deported. These operations in West uh, Africa, we believe, uh, happened when syndicates uh, recruited people either in Sri Lanka or Tamil Nadu, flew them through <coughs> India to Ethiopia to West Africa, left them stranded, never to get aboard a ship, never to go to Canada. But these people, in some cases, ended up stranded in immigration detention, in one case in a soccer field in Togo, for four to five months. In fact, I believe some people are still stranded there. In August of 2012, media reports indicate that a group of more than 100 Sri Lankan migrants were arrested again in Thailand for immigration violations. 
The migrants are believed to have, been, to have made payments to, this, to the agents with the expectation of coming to Canada. And at least one other group has been subsequently arrested in Thailand in the very recent past. So the message is clear. The smuggling rings are fraudsters and thieves. These cases likely reflect only a small percentage of the Sri Lankan migrants who have paid smugglers to come to Canada. We estimate that over the past four years, thousands of Sri Lankan migrants have made initial payments of, as I've mentioned before, up to, in fact, up to 1.5 million Sri Lankan rupees to smuggling syndicates. Those are the down payments, uh, only to lose their money and face misery, threats, detention, and deportation. Transit country, countries have successfully stopped several planned voyages for Canada, and they will continue to do so. And here is a point I would like to emphasize. There is growing evidence that some agents claiming to rep represent smuggling syndicates taking people to Canada neither have the intention and certainly do not have the capacity to bring people to Canada. That is to say, they're simply taking the money with a fraudulent guarantee of migration to Canada with no intention of actually bringing people there. Now, I want to also underscore that Canada has changed its laws uh, to crack down on human smuggling. Uh, last June, our parliament adopted the Protecting Canada's Immigration System Act, which includes tough new prison sentences of up to 10 years for those found guilty of organizing large-scale smuggling operations and imposes fines of up to a million dollars for the people who own the ships used in such uh, criminal enterprises. Uh, We've also, uh, the, the same law also removes the privileges that previously existed for people who arrived as refugees in smuggling operations. Migrants who arrive in Canada in a designated smuggling operation now face mandatory detention, potentially for six months or longer. They no longer get free health care. They no longer get work permits. They no longer get federal social benefits and smuggled migrants who do get a positive asylum decision are not eligible for permanent residency in Canada for at least five years. That means they have no privilege to sponsor family members for at least five years. And if we determine that the conditions have improved, in this case in Sri Lanka, during those five years, they may then be subject to deportation back to Sri Lanka, there is no guarantee that even if they needed protection initially, they will be able to stay in Canada permanently. Canada is also ending abuse of its asylum system. Under our previous system uh, that uh, we've just ended on December 15th of last year, uh, a, it would take almost two years for asylum claimants to get an initial hearing. If they were rejected at that point, they could often stay for several more years appealing their asylum claim, all the while receiving generous social benefits before being potentially deported after several years. The new system will ensure that smuggled migrants who make asylum claims get an initial hearing in 60 days rather than two years. And if their claim is rejected, they will face a potentially immediate deportation. So we're talking about deportation for false asylum claimants coming in smuggling operations after two months rather than five or six years. And during those two months they will not have access
to benefits. If, after their initial hearing, they are deemed to be bona fide refugees, as I, re as I said before, they will not get permanent residency for at least five years. I want to underscore that Canada remains open for legal visitors and immigrants. Canada has taken these tough measures in order to protect our very generous approach to immigration and refugee protection. We welcome, in fact, one out of every 10 resettled refugees worldwide. We maintain the highest per capita levels of immigration in the developed world. We welcome some 4,000 Sri Lankans as permanent resident immigrants every year and have welcomed about 25,000 over the past six years. We welcome thousands of Sri Lankans as visitors, students, and foreign workers. And those who want to immigrate to vi or visit Canada should simply apply through the normal legal procedures. And those seeking refugee protection should pursue regional solutions through the UNHCR, through the United Nations High Commissioner on Refugees. Now, Canada, I should also say that Canada's immigration system is becoming faster and more flexible for those who might have felt frustrated by it in the past. Uh, there are now new and more flexible avenues to gain permanent residency in Canada. For example, foreign students and temporary foreign workers and skilled tradesmen who work with their hands now have opportunities to get permanent residency quickly. And immigration programs are moving from wait times of several years to one year or less. And we have a, we're welcoming a growing number of visitors, students, and workers from Sri Lanka and around the world. So the conclusion is clear. Canada is stopping the smugglers. Thousands of Sri Lankans have been defrauded by the smugglers, promising trips to our country that never happened. And Canada's laws have changed, eliminating privileges and benefits for smuggled migrants. Now, before I take your questions, I'd like to address one other issue. We believe that uh, there are a mixture of motivations for uh, Sri Lankans seeking to be smuggled to Canada illegally. One of them is probably economic opportunity. But we are also very concerned to see that in this post-war environment, there appears to be a growing pressure for emigration from Sri Lanka, whether to Australia, to Canada, or to elsewhere. And this indicates to us that there uh, are uh, what we would call push factors in this country. And so that is why uh, the government of Canada uh, that's one of the reasons why the government of Canada has expressed our profound concern about what we regard as ongoing human rights violations in this country, a lack of progress in political reconciliation, a failure of accountability for crimes that were committed at the end of the war, uh, and that is why Prime Minister Harper has indicated that he will not attend the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting uh, here in Sri Lanka this November unless there has been significant progress on the protection of human rights, on accountability for crimes committed, uh, and uh, on political reconciliation. And this is a message that I have conveyed uh, to my uh, counterparts here in the Sri Lankan government. Canada regards itself as a friend of Sri Lanka. Uh, the government of Prime Minister Harper, we believe, helped to hasten the end of the war by banning the Tamil Tigers as a illegal terrorist entity and the World Tamil Movement by cracking down on their fundraising and political operations in Canada. We are opposed to all forms of terrorism and extremism, but we are also champions of human rights and human dignity 
We call on all of our, uh, uh, all countries, and particularly members of the Commonwealth, to respect those universal values. So I'm happy to take any questions that you have. Good. Any questions? Do we have a microphone for questions? This young man has a microphone if there are any questions. <coughs> So do you have any uh, human rights concerns in other parts of the world? Because the regions, in, including Canada, uh, expressing concern about human rights conditions in this country. Are you concerned about the situation in Afghanistan or maybe in India, Iraq? Oh, uh, of course, we uh, don't focus on any one country. We, as I said, we believe that human rights and human dignity are universal values. Uh, and that is why our government has taken a very robust position on uh, advancing human rights around the world. Uh, uh, I mean, I could give you many examples, but one of which would be uh, our recent uh, successful leadership in the United Nations General Assembly resolution condemning the uh, outrageous human rights violations in the Islamic Republic of Iran, um, where Canada's taking a particular leadership role. Um, but uh, we hold all countries, including Canada, to the same standard. Uh, and uh, we, uh, uh, that, that's why we believe the Commonwealth should have a strong and consistent standards uh, for uh, conforming to human rights uh, uh, objectives uh, for all countries. My question is that uh, the, any implementation that uh, the Canadian government taking uh, in, in terms of protecting human rights apart from Sri Lanka? Oh yes, uh, certainly it's a major part of our um, foreign policy. As I, I just uh, outlined our leadership with respect to Iran, for example, um, we, um, uh, our government has taken a robust position towards defending and protecting human rights uh, all around the world. Uh, and uh, this, is, uh, this is a central part of Canada's foreign policy. As the Prime Minister Harper has said, uh, Canada's foreign policy is not to go along in order to get along. We will not look the other way when we see human, right, bio, human rights violations. Uh, even in countries that are friends of Canada. Um, uh, in the new, recent changes in the Canadian asylum system, does it also involve a better screening progress of distinguishing between uh, economic migrants and asylum seekers? Yes. Um, we have a quasi-judicial board called the Immigration and Refugee Board, which makes decisions on the validity of asylum claims. And the test they use is the one essentially that is laid out in the 1951 Refugee Convention. Uh, the test is whether or not someone has a well-founded fear of persecution, or under the Convention on Torture, uh, whether someone has a well-founded fear of, uh, uh, of torture. And, uh, and so the Immigration Refugee Board looks at each claim on its own merits and to assess whether or not there exists such a well-founded fear. Um, the, um, the standard is not changing under our asylum reforms. What is changing is that those decisions will be made much more quickly so that uh, false or fake asylum claimants cannot stay in Canada for several years, abusing its generosity. Uh, we want to welcome bona fide refugees, but if people want to come for economic reasons, they should apply for our economic immigration programs, which are large and generous. Uh, well, sir, you mentioned about that there are about 300,000 uh, diasporas, uh, the largest uh, in the world in Canada. And you also mentioned about their contribution to the external economy. Could you please tell us what sort of their economy, I mean, contribution and how they are sort of, uh, contributing and what is their uh, actual contribution is? 
Well, many of the um, Sri Lankan immigrants to Canada actually did arrive as refugees and were their subsequently sponsored family members. So many of them arrived with very little and had to struggle, but many of them have succeeded, and that demonstrates Canada, how Canada really is a land of opportunity. I know people who arrived as refugees from this country with nothing who now own very successful businesses and are millionaires. Uh, and uh, we see a growing involvement of uh, Sri Lankans in every aspect of Canadian uh, public life. We're now well into our second generation of, uh, of a large number of second generation Canadians of Sri Lankan origin, those who are born in Canada, um, who are uh, making tremendous advances in terms of education and involvement in all walks of life. Uh, so we're very uh, pleased to see the success uh, of the community. I think uh, the uh, Sri Lankan uh, immigrants to Canada have a reputation for very, have, having a very hard work ethic. Um, and uh, which we appreciate. I should say, to be uh, uh, transparent, that one of the challenges the community had, particularly the uh, uh, Tamil Canadians, during the period of the conflict here, was that many of them felt they were living under pressure from the LTTE. Uh, the Tigers were running um, extortion operations, uh, forcing businesses and, and families uh, to pay taxes to the war effort uh, here in Sri Lanka, and many felt intimidated uh, if they spoke out against the, the, uh, the brutal tactics of the Tigers. Uh, and so uh, I think the, the community, by and large, they, the, the Tamil uh, element of the Sri Lankan community in Canada uh, is, uh, is having a new lease on life in the post-war period uh, because they no longer face uh, this kind of intimidation. Uh, and. Uh, we, uh, so we'll continue to work with the community. And one thing I should point out is uh, an emphasis I have made in our multiculturalism program is to bridge differences that may have existed between, for example, the, the Sinhalese and Tamil communities in Canada. We want our approach to pluralism, to multiculturalism, to be one of unity in diversity. But we encourage people to celebrate what's best about their cultural backgrounds. We don't want them to bring to Canada the ancient conflicts from their countries of origin. And we want them all to come together on the ground, on the basis of, of, of democratic values as Canadians, which is what we encourage the uh, both Tamil and Sinhalese communities in Canada to do through various projects, including an ex excellent one run by an organization called Mosaic, which has brought young Canadians of both Tamil and Sinhalese origin here to work on development programs. Uh, continued human rights violations and uh, lack of reconciliation is uh, one of the key reasons for migration. What's your message to uh, Sri Lankan authorities? That uh, the uh, Sri Lankan government should make uh, every uh, possible effort uh, to pursue uh, political rec reconciliation uh, in good faith, to uh, address many of the serious outstanding issues from the conflict, including returning people to uh, their homes, to viable communities, uh, to uh, eventual de demilitarization of the affected areas, uh, to a independent judiciary, uh, to general respect for human rights, uh, to, account to accountability for the most serious crimes that were committed on both sides during the conflict, uh, to identifying the whereabouts of people who are still missing from the conflict. Um, these are, are some of the benchmarks that we're watching uh, and which we think have created an environment which um, has helped to lead to some of the pressure for uh, emigration.
I, I quite frankly believe that the pressure is, the, the motives are of, of uh, people who are seeking to uh, use uh, smuggling opportunities to get to countries like Canada and Australia are mixed. In some cases, they're probably purely economic. In some cases, they may be purely uh, because of the political context here. In many cases, there are mixed motivations. But in any event, here's the tr here is a troubling fact. We see more efforts uh, by Sri Lankan nationals to pay smuggling syndicates to come to Canada and Australia now than we did during the conflict. And that, for us, is a worrisome sign.